For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. Podcast. With your hosts, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige DeMacos, Jake Arians, and Jamie DeGod today because Jamie decided that his new Zencaster name is not no longer Jamie, it's Jamie DeGod. So obviously, DeGod. Yeah, DeGod. Yeah, we DeGod had the intro in. <laughs> I feel like we haven't taken full advantage of the ability that we could just name ourselves in here. So, you know, whoever's the host of the show, which usually I host it on, here's a little behind the scenes. Usually I host it on my computer, uh, but I've been feeling a little under the weather, so I've had to do this remotely. Uh, and it just says, you know, TDN Fantasy. I can't do anything with it because that's the name of the account. But when I'm calling in remotely, you, I can name myself whatever I want. The world is my oyster, Paige and Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait the, till Friday. I'm coming up with something good. The world is my oyster. You heard it, people. <laughs> just wait for what I am going to intro both Jamie and Jake as on Friday's show. Really looking forward to that. Uh, guys, we're going to kick things off before we get into, we got three Thursday night football or Thursday day and night football games to get into. Best thing about Thanksgiving, we get football all day long. So we got three games to get into, but before we preview those games, there's a lot of coaching conversation and this is about that time, right? It's Thanksgiving. There's, this is that time where we start to hear about the coaching changes more so that are going to happen. Obviously we already had the Jake Rudin stuff that happened earlier on in the year, but this is about that time where that conversation starts to heat up around certain coaches. And we talked a little bit about yesterday, the comments from Jerry Jones on Sunday in his post game interview, But Jerry loves himself some Jerry and loves himself a microphone. And we love Jerry. Let me let me just let me just say this now. I hate the Cowboys, but I love Jerry Jones. Um, Love me some Jerry. Y'all know that I'm on record of saying I love me some Jerry. Yeah, love Jerry because he's Jerry. And I've heard some incredible stories and I've been I've witnessed Jerry and and who he is and just the persona. Right. And and so this this quote is incredible because it's so Jerry Jones. So I'm going to read it to you guys, and then I want to react to to just the quote, and then we'll get into some of the other dynamics that are involved here. This is from Good Morning Football. So he had an appearance on Good Morning Football. He was talking about the the uh, Thanksgiving um, Salvation Army uh, event that they're having for the Dallas Cowboys. So if you want to donate to that, you can go to DallasCowboys.com just on a, on a side note, but it's a, a really nice event they're hosting. But, of course, he talked football, and this is his quote. Let me just say this. I think all of us, including the fans, want to win a damn football game, okay? I know we've got a lot of things to talk about. Who's coaching? Who's playing? Who's compared to another player somewhere else? How about let's win some damn football games, folks? We can take that other stuff. I'm not known as a guy that gets hand cramps when I'm writing checks, but I want to win games. Okay, so this this quote came after a conversation around Dak Prescott and his contract, which has been a hot topic since the beginning of the, of the season, and then being asked about Jason Garrett and, and his coaching future. So 
personally, my favorite part of this entire quote is, I'm not known as a guy that gets hand cramps when I'm writing checks, right? Love that. And, and it's very accurate. But I want to win some games. What do we what do we have to read into here? Because there's a lot to there's a lot to digest, and this comes off of his obviously earlier comments about about coaching staff and and not not feeling so good about Jason Garrett. So Jake, I'll let you you react here first. What are your what are your takeaways here from what Mr. Jones is is laying on us? Look, man, Jerry is the best. That is an awesome quote. And the people the thing people don't realize is Jerry's actually a different dude when there's cameras around. When there's not. And I've seen him for 20 years at the Senior Bowl, and I've told this story. He is the most subdued in a black Cowboys hat with a black star that you can't even really tell who he is, like under the radar, like ball coach. He just wants to watch the players. Like he loves it. He loves football. He loves his Dallas Cowboys, and he wants to win, period. He ain't scared of writing checks. Look what he just did with Zeke. He negotiated for a while, but he put the the money up. Dak's going to get his cheddar. The question is – He's putting the fire on Jason Garrett and the whole organization. We got national primetime Thanksgiving game. If we lose, the Eagles are going to catch us. We better win this damn division and get in the playoffs. Because if we don't, Jason's gone and we're blowing this whole thing up. Because he knows he has a hell of a roster. If he wants to turn this thing over, whoever walks in there is walking into a ton of players in a really good situation. He's putting the heat on his team. And by doing that, he's putting it on Jason Garrett. But it's not the first time he's done it. He feels like I'm the owner. I need to step up and just put everybody's feet to the fire. And you know what? I like it. Jamie, what do you think the reaction is going to be, though? Because you know how this is. This is different. The, the times have changed from where Jerry Jerry was originally involved. And now, you know, obviously in 2019, how, how some of his comments about Ezekiel Elliott were not taken very well from Ezekiel Elliott. And potentially this younger generation and, and Dak, per se, who, who really has done nothing to – to not put himself in a good conversation to, to get a great contract, right? He, he really has played exceptionally well, even in the, in the games that they lost, especially I think about that Minnesota Vikings game where he just had an unbelievable game on primetime and the coaching staff really held him back. Do you think that this is, do you think that there's anything to the, to the conversation around Dak? Do you think that there's any chance he doesn't get his money? Or do you think that's, that's a for sure thing and that Jason Garrett is, is really on the hot seat, even though, like Jake said, we, this isn't the first time we've heard some of these comments. I'll take that in two parts. So as far as the Dak Prescott stuff goes, I mean, there's always a chance, but I think that chance would be injury or something happening off the field. Um, I don't imagine he's going to play himself out of getting uh, some sort of, maybe not the exact numbers that we were hearing floating in the preseason, but he'll get pretty damn close to that at some point. Um, as far as Jason Garrett goes, you know, Jerry Jones has actually, I mean, if we look back, has actually done a pretty decent job. I know at times he comes out and says certain things, but a pretty decent job of protecting Jason Garrett from a lot of criticism over the years. And I know that might seem like a weird statement when you look back, but if you were another organization that had the expectation that they do and just continually be just mediocre for the most part, uh, you would hear a lot more rumors and rumblings coming out about them. You would hear a lot more questions coming from the front office, from ownership. And, you don't, you know, he's been very careful about the way he's dressed Jason Garrett. I think this is a little bit of a tone shift for him because now you finally have expectations. You know, you, you, a few years ago when Dak was a rookie, Zeke was a rookie, you guys came out and they came out of nowhere and they surprised everybody. There were, there were increased expectations the following year. They didn't live up. This year, there were Super Bowl expectations. This year, 
Jerry Jones wrote a check to Ezekiel Elliott, and he was thinking about writing checks to Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper. Uh, you know, all of a sudden now, they're in their window. Uh, you know, Jalen Smith is back and healthy. I mean, I know Leighton Landry is hurt, but he has stepped up as a, as a key force for them on defense. You have the pieces now to be a Super Bowl contender on paper. He is Jerry Jones is spending money and about to spend money like they are a Super Bowl contender on paper. Now, all of a sudden, just doing enough to get by isn't good enough. Now, just getting by is severely below reasonable expectations. And I think this is very much a... Hey, look, guys, we have enough talent here now. There's no excuses. There's, there, there's no, we're trying to find a quarterback. There's no, you know, uh, you know, our guy went down in training camp or there's no, none, none of that stuff. We have a roster that is built to win now and we are spending, we're starting to spend money. Like we need to win now. They got to win now. And that's on Jason Garrett. Yeah, look, Ken, Dak's Ken, getting paid. I mean, Dak's leading the NFL in passing. Dak is played spectacular. It's not like he's going to go hit the free agent market. They ain't letting Dak get out of town. By the way, Dak's the second most wins as a starting quarterback in the NFL to Tom Brady since he came in the league. It ain't on Dak. Dak's getting paid. And if you look at who else just got paid, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Dak looks like a damn superstar. So Dak's going to get his money. The, the Jamie had a great point. They were getting by with a good offensive line and a rookie quarterback and a decent defense. They've got it all on paper. They haven't beat a team with a winning record. You don't think Jerry's hearing that? This is a terrible matchup for them, by the way, when we get into this game. Like, this is not the team you want to come in here on Thanksgiving Day when you got to have a win. I mean, if the Bills play like the Bills have played and eke out another one, the sky will have officially fallen in the state of Texas. It, 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 you talking about Jerry on a rant. Whoa, if that happens. Yeah, and I think the the good point also, Jamie, that you brought up is the tone shift because yes, Jerry is is you know not afraid of the microphone and does discuss things, but there is in the past, you know, this has been nine years now. In the past, there has been calls for Jason Garrett to be fired by prominent NFL writers, big time personalities. I mean, he this is not the first time that this has happened. And in the past, Jerry usually has his back. And so when you said tone shift, I think that's why this specific time, I think it's different. And mostly it's different because of the expectations. And the expectations are always big there, but they actually have the talent to do it now. And that's a huge difference because this team is good enough Their division is garbage, okay? They don't have anybody in that division that should be competing with them. Philadelphia has is with the injuries and and all the things that have happened, there is no excuse for this Dallas Cowboys team to not win this division and win it handedly, really. I think I'll end with this with you guys on this topic. We know the roster's there, right? Is Jason Garrett good enough as a coach to get this team to a Super Bowl? Jake, I'll let you answer first. Yes. The, the problem is he's not calling the offensive plays. Kellen Moore is it's his first year of doing it. There's going to be some ups and downs. He's got the number one offense in the NFL statistically as his first year as a play caller. So the, the talent's obviously there. The defensive side of the ball, you got one of the best to ever do it, Rod Marinelli. Now, Chris Richard gets all the freaking credit like he's the one actually doing this. This has been Rod Marinelli's defense for a while. He's got the help. But the combination of the two of them, Leighton Vander Esch needs to get healthy. I'm worried about his career, actually, which is a whole other subject with this neck thing that goes back to college. But they've got the pieces. So, yes, I think they do. But the guy's got to step up and do it. Eventually, you got to quit pointing the finger at the coaching staff who's putting good game plans together. And the guys on the field got to make it happen. 
I mean, they haven't beat a team with a winning record, and they have a hell of a roster like that. That's on the players as much as the coaches. So yes, I think I think Jason Garrett's fine. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's tough for me to answer that without being in the locker room or being around that team every single day. Uh, are, are there things that Jason Garrett and company can do, particularly in being a little bit less conservative on offense at times? Sure, but you know. It, yeah, it, it's tough to say one way or the other, but they have enough talent and they have enough smart people on that sideline, Jason Garrett included, to win the Super Bowl. The question is, is whether or not are, are there other factors at play? Are, is he being tuned out? Is there, are they being too conservative? Some of the things that I can't answer for you without being around the team that often. But if you look at the pieces, I don't, I don't think their coaching staff is necessarily holding them back by any means. Are they giving them enough boost? Are they boosting them like some of the other top teams in the league? They haven't been so far. Can that change? Certainly it can, but we need to see it happen. Yeah, and as we well know, the Kyle Shanahan's and the uh, offensive gurus of the world do not grow on trees. As Sean McVay has come back to earth, as everybody is learning, uh, as the Zach Taylor experiment has not gone very well. Listen, these the, the top-tier coaches – they don't grow on trees, and it's it, just because you think that there might be a better answer. Um, I don't know what that answer is, and I and I know I've gotten a lot of Cowboys fans talking about Lincoln Riley, and I'm really interested, Jake, in your thoughts in that because I know we've talked about Lincoln Riley and and that offense and what it would mean to come into the NFL. Listen, I I grew up watching the Big Twelve. The defenses that play in the Big Twelve are are not what it's like. It, it's a terrible testament to what it's like to play in the NFL, scheming up an offense against a Big 12 defense. Um, he's had three premier quarterbacks, and whether that's on him more so than it is on the guys, putting those guys into positions, you know, listen, he's got three straight guys that are going to be, he's got two straight Heismans, two straight guys who went as the first overall draft picks, and now he's got Jalen Hurts, who's not going to go, probably not even in the first round, but is having a hell of a season. Jake, your thoughts on Lincoln Riley, because that name gets tossed around a lot, and he's obviously from the, the you know from the Dallas area, and we've talked about it before, but it's, it's heating up now that all this stuff with Jason Garrett's coming out. It wouldn't surprise me one bit if Lincoln gets the job. I like Lincoln as a dude. I really like him as a college coach. My biggest question is, who the hell is he bringing as his defensive coordinator? Mm-hmm. period end of story i don't give a shit about anything else lincoln will be fine he can his offense can adjust it's very similar to what they're doing now with kellen moore are you going to be one of these teams that says you're keeping chris richard as defense coordinator but i want to hire you as the head coach and you're going to call plays because you know my thoughts on that yeah it splits the locker room immediately um but it wouldn't surprise me one bit i, I don't really have a problem with that other than who's he bringing as a defense coordinator because they don't play defense at oklahoma I mean, I don't know if you saw Mike Gundy's quote the other day, his whole two-minute speech. Fantastic. It, it was spectacular. You name three superstar running backs from the 80s in the wishbone and then three straight quarterbacks that had just as many carries at this point in the season, and Jalen Hurts has more than any of them. Yeah. It was, no, spectac- it was spectacular. But that ain't, that ain't working with Dak. That. that ain't working in the NFL. No. Dak's getting no, killed. Like, you're not having 180 carries as a quarterback. Um, I don't know. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they went that route. But, my, I mean, my thing is – and Jerry said the other day, one of his other quotes, special teams is a direct relation of coaching. Who's that going to be? Who's your, who's your defense coordinator? Who's your special teams coordinator? You've never been in the NFL. Who is your staff you're bringing with you that does the 100-hour-a-week job of putting game plans together? Who is that? Because until I know who those 22, 25 guys are, I don't really care who the head coach is that you hire. That, that is just as important. And you're, you're bringing a whole college staff on a team that doesn't play defense. 
Yeah, and we and we talked about listen, we talked about this when we when we discussed Cliff Kingsbury getting the job last year, right? And a lot of the reason that Cliff is having that success is they did go out and get uh, he, he whether it was him or the the connections they have, they've put together a pretty decent staff, right? And and I don't know what that would look like for Lincoln Riley, and I assume that they would not want to do what Jake spoke about, which is you bring a head coach in and you keep the def- you keep some of the previous coaches because that does split the locker room and it's never really if you're gonna turn if you're gonna move on from Jason Garrett, a guy who's approaching his tenth year as the head coach for the Dallas Cowboys, I think you need a completely clean slate. But let's move on to the uh, other report that I have here that involves coaching staffs, and we know this this coaching staff pretty well, um, I- including the defensive coordinator James Betcher. But this came from Albert Breer, and then the. the WFAN in New York reported it as well, that if the Giants fire Pat Shermer, uh, the two most likely candidates would be Jason Garrett, if obviously this would be if Jason Garrett was fired, and Baylor's Matt Rule. We've talked about Matt Rule before. Obviously, there's a lot to, to intake there because it would involve Jason Garrett getting fired. That would involve him going to the same division, to a big rival. Um, we know how the Giants operate. They're very loyal. Jamie, you're a New York guy. Um, I'll let you take this one first. Do you think that the that the Giants are going to move on from Pat Shermer because I'm in the boat that they are not going to? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't know what they would gain from it. I mean, it's not like there's this like super awesome candidate out there that just got let go or decided they're coming back and like, yeah, no, we need to get this guy. He's a clear upgrade over Pat Shermer. I think if, if you make a move like that, you're just making a move for the sake of making a move. Um I don't know what the expectations were going into the season for internally. Like I know what the I don't care what the papers thought. I care what internally was, and it couldn't have been much better than they've been. Um, you know, the, you you come in and you, you shave a lot of pieces off of this roster right away. A lot of big name pieces, uh, and you know, Snacks Harrison, Landon Collins, etc. Your really only addition is you again. You you tr- you get the you use the sixth pick and you use it on Daniel Jones, who you now have gotten in th- these games right away, and you sign Golden Tate. That's pretty much all you did. So if there were any expectations this was going to be a 7, 8, 9, 10-win team, then they were delusional to begin with. Um, you know, I think this season has already in some ways, uh, Saquon Barkley injury aside, has been a minor success for them long term because you were able to get Daniel Jones in. You avoided all the backlash that happened last time you benched Eli Manning. Now, to be fair, that was for Geno Smith and not for the rookie quarterback you just spent the sixth overall pick on. But you've got to see Daniel Jones in these games. He's shown flashes. Uh, he's got to fix his fumbling issues. He's got, I think, 14 fumbles this year. That's a problem. We talked about Chris Carson on last yesterday's show, who has seven. So Daniel has 14. That's a problem. But he has shown you a lot with his arm. And he is, I think the expectations for him and the expectations coming out of that pick are so much different now than they were when they made that pick at the end of April. Uh, so in some ways, this season has accomplished what it needed to accomplish, but firing your coach just to bring in Jason Garrett or just to bring in Matt Rule doesn't seem to me like you're making an upgrade there. You're just making a lateral move for the sake of either satiating your fan base or because you think something needs to change. It doesn't really make them a better football team. Yeah, look, the Giants are like the Steelers. They don't just jump ship in two years. They were a dumpster fire when they hired Pat Shermer two years ago. I mean, they were bad. They were in bad shape. Every way you could be in bad shape. And they brought in Dave Gettleman at the same time. Those two are attached to him. Dave Gettleman wanted Pat Shermer. He's not firing him after year two. He's not getting fired after year two. You've gotten better. 
You've added pieces. Some of their draft picks look good. You made the trade for Leonard Williams. Danny Dimes has a freaking nickname in New York. He earned it. He's had some fumbling issues. He's turned it over, but he's made some spectacular plays and won you a few games. You're moving on from Eli Manning. You're going to gain $25 million in salary cap space. You're getting better. They're not firing Pat Shermer, period. And you're damn sure not firing him for a guy that's never coached in the NFL and Matt Rule. And you're not firing him for Jason Garrett, who's done nothing in nine years in Dallas, in your division. I, I, that, that makes no sense to me. That is typical New York run with a story that makes no sense. <laughs> I figured that would be the reaction, right? I, I think, one, in New York, obviously, I think Jamie brings up the good point that the expectations, if they were higher than kind of what we've seen this year, then then they are delusional, right? This team on paper, even coming into the season. And I don't think they were internally. I don't, I don't think no. they, they had expectations of more than five or six wins especially when they went to a rookie quarterback. Yeah, and they and listen, the the start of the Danny Dimes era was was a good one. We've seen flashes from him. The reality is this offense hasn't been healthy, I don't think all season. There hasn't been a time where the full set of weapons, and I mean Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, Golden Tate, Saquon Barkley, and Daniel Dimes have all been out there together healthy. This team has a ton of injuries. They've had a ton of injuries on that offense. They haven't all been out there together. They haven't been able to build any chemistry. But the big issue here is, obviously, Daniel Jones and the fumbling problem. And that's not on Pat Shermer. That's on Daniel Jones. And they're going to have to work on that, and that's something that they'll probably address in the offseason. But my my question to New York fans is, okay, you guys want a different coach because it's New York and you guys want to fire everybody all the time. Who exactly are you going to go out there and get that's better than Pat Shermer, right? I, I, Pat Shermer's a hell of a coach. He's going to do a great job. They're going to turn this around I have faith in him to do it. I just, I would love to know if you're a Giants fan, right? And I can't imagine, Jamie, I'll let you answer. If you're the Giants, how could you possibly be happy with replacing Pat Sherman with Jason Garrett? I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. Or Matt Rule, who I like, but has never coached in the NFL. Yeah, like I, I don't get it. Like I mean, look, I know everybody falls in love with you know the de- the devil we don't know versus the devil we know in this scenario yes. of like, oh well, we don't know Lincoln Riley won't be successful. We don't know Matt Rule won't be successful. We don't know blah 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 won't be successful. So they just kind of that well that means they must be great. Uh, look, there's there's nobody they can go out there and get right now. Um, the only coach out there that would be comparable, but again, you don't make a move like this to just go laterally. Would be a guy like Mike McCarthy, but. Again, just keep Pat Shermer in that case. Like, so to me, I, I don't understand this at all. I, I think people just, it, it's become in the nature when teams are bad, you just have to fire everybody. Like, that's going to fix your problem. And there are some times where it does. And there are some situations and some teams that, yes, making a coaching change can have an immediate positive effect to your team. But it doesn't do it just because your team is losing. It doesn't happen in every scenario. And if you look at the way the Giants have set up, they have set themselves up to bottom out right now in these next couple of years with the moves that they have made and come back up in two or three years with a lot of young players, their fran- what they believe is their franchise quarterback, some weapons for him, a uh, you know, franchise running back. Like They are trying to make these moves. This is really not out of schedule. Like I mean – so I expect them to win maybe five games. So maybe they go three and thirteen or four and twelve. I mean, it's a little below. But what's the difference between winning four games and winning five games when you're not when you're not really having that big of expectations anyway? Like you're not firing your coach because of that. I mean, the, the Roonies and the Maras are like the Vanderbilts and the Kennedys in this country as far as football goes. <laughs> like you're talking yeah. about two of the most respected families of ownership that don't just they don't do this after two years. It's not what they're about. It's not how they're built. 
it would unless there's something going on behind the scenes that Pat Shermer just turned into an asshole and pisses off everybody in the building and offended one of the Mara family members or like which I know is not the case. If there's something we don't know going on, then I can't. There's no way that I see this happening after two years. Yeah, I, I just I think between Albert Breer's this report that he had and his backtracking on his Lamar comments, uh, has he's been t- he's been taking uh, qu- quite a bit of uh, heat on social media. This well, week, yeah, so. he has to realize that the social media exists and that when you say things in writing, the- that people can bring it back up. Yes, uh, like, so- like, I want to talk about this for a half second before we move on. Yes. This like the t- the Lamar Jackson takes going into it, th- there was reason to be. A little concerned about, like Jake talked about, about him working out with his mother. We've got more information since then that makes us less less concerned about that in hindsight. There was reason to have a little bit of concern, but the notion that you know, this notion now that they're trying to recreate the narrative that no, 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 nobody said these things about Lamar Jackson or yeah. nobody said it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to say, look, we have a limited amount of information that's been given to us. We're, we've been given a case that is outside of our norm. It's okay to say, you know what? We got this one wrong. It's so weird that everybody has to like feel this need to be like, no, 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 no. I never said any of those things. Like, okay, you did. It's in writing, Albert Breer. Like, it's we all we pulled everyone pulled the receipts. It's okay to say, yeah, you know what? I was wrong. It's okay to say that you know what? Maybe we shouldn't have dropped DK Metcalf to the end of the second round because he had a bad three cone. It's okay Thank to you. say that. We're guessing. I mean, I, I know this is the Draft Network, and there's a lot of research that goes into it. And the guys put in, I mean, a stupid amount of hours grinding the tape. I mean, I, I've been with them in, in at the Senior Bowl. I've been with them. I mean, they put stupid amount of hours. But again, it's an inexact science. It's yes. okay to say we have more information now. We have seen more information. He's in this, and he is fitting into a system well. Okay. I was wrong, or I was partially wrong, or he is, or he has improved as a player in the areas I was concerned about. I don't understand why that's so hard for people to say. No, look, Lamar Jackson went where he should have gone. There were questions. He's still not an elite passer. He's a hell of a lot better than he was last year. I said, coming out of Bobby Petrino's offense, he can throw because that is more of an NFL offense than anything else you're seeing in college. But he still has to grow. He's grown. He's made r- tremendous strides. But the game the other night, he threw what five touchdown passes. He only had like fifteen pass attempts. Nobody's figured out how to slow this thing down and put it on his arm, and they don't have elite weapons on the outside. If anybody does, and I, I'm so excited about that, that that game this weekend because I think them in San Francisco is going to be a hell of a matchup. Um, he's going to have to do that sometimes. And people are talking about he's still not a super elite passer accurate. He's made some phenomenal plays, but a lot of it is not traditional from the pocket. That's not who he is. He's the one guy that's the outlier of this whole thing that takes my argument of the dual threat quarterback and changes it. Unless he's Michael Vick and he gets an ankle injury and can't do what he's doing. Then we got a problem, but you drafted him in the right place. DK Metcalf dropped in the right place. He's had a great rookie year, but he goes straight and comes back. He can't cut the three cone drill showed you that he can't move. You can't catch a slant across the middle turn it vertical and take it to the house. He's not capable of that. Cause that big giant body is not like that. That doesn't mean he's a bad player. It means you you drafted him where you took him in the second round, and he's been really freaking good. That doesn't mean that he's all of a sudden the three cone drill didn't show you that he he's an elite athlete that can cut sideways. Like Jamie's right. I mean, they, 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 it's all a crapshoot. But you take all the information you can get, and you take it where you can get it. Don't backtrack now. The guy's yeah. done a hell of a job. I mean, when guys it, prove you wrong, they prove you wrong. 
And that's the thing. I think the the Albert Breer, and there's been other, I know I'm picking on Albert, but there's been other national pundits who, for whatever reason, this Lamar Jackson stuff has really hit a nerve with them. And they refuse to just say, I was wrong. And listen, most people were wrong, right? Like most people were saying similar things about Lamar Jackson. So I really don't understand where there's this it's almost like it's getting almost borderline like vitriol on social media where they're getting so upset and they're backtracking. Well, Mel Kuyper came out and had to retweet his exact comments right before the draft of where he had him. And he was was spot on with what he said. He said what I just said. Like he has to improve as a passer, but he has. He's sufficient enough. If somebody builds an offense around him to utilize his skill set, he'll be good. But why why feel the need to do all that? By the way, Albert Breer is not an, an analyst. He's an insider. I'd be like yeah. saying Ian Rappaport said I got it wrong. Who gives a shit if you got it wrong? You don't know what you're talking about anyway. You're an insider. You talk you talk to people and get scoops. Adam Schefter, I love, but like you watch football and listen to the analysts. You're not an analyst. Who cares if you guys got it wrong? Nobody, really- nobody cares that Albert Breer got it wrong. Albert Breer wasn't a scout for Albert Breer isn't Lewis Riddick. If Lewis Riddick says I got it wrong, okay, you have a damn track record of knowing what you're doing, being a GM in the front office and interviewing for GM jobs. That's a different story than an insider saying, oh, I got it wrong. I don't care. You don't get half the shit right you're talking about, including your scoops. Like, and I'm not talking about Albert Breer. I'm talking about all of them. Like, there's a difference between being Rex Ryan and bring, being Lewis Riddick on ESPN and Adam Schefter sitting next to them and them seeing the, the game the same way or analyzing the game the same It's, it's never going to happen. This is and all also, to say, stay in your lane, people. Just stay in your lane. Yeah, Albert Breer, exactly. I don't like. I don't. I don't understand. Why do you have to try and be a draft guy? Like, there's a difference between the Kyle Krabs and the Joe Marinos of the world, who legitimately grind tape twelve months of the year, like an NFL scout. They grind tape all year long. And Albert Breer, who probably watched a total of maybe I don't know an hour's worth of L- Lamar Jackson when he happened to be on primetime in Louisville, like dude, like no offense, but like exactly like Jake's saying, I don't really care. And you, you like the the worst part for social, and then we'll move off of this topic is. You don't realize, like, how have you not figured out by now? There's an entire Twitter account called Old Takes Exposed that literally lives for this. You put it on social. It's not going away. We know what you said. Like, you can't backtrack then after you already said it. It's okay to be wrong. Like, just, it's okay. Like, you don't have to fight people on social media. And then you look like an asshole because you're sitting there telling everybody, I didn't say all those things, and then there's a hundred tweets from you saying exactly what everybody said you said. I, yeah, here's, I just, my, here's, my, here's how to fix that, Paige, if you're those guys. Say the people I respect and talk to in the NFL think this. Yes. Nobody gives a damn what you think on your analysis. You're supposed to talk to the people that know what they're talking about and then report it. Say it that way, and then you don't have to do any of this crap anyway. Well, it becomes an ego thing, which is why it's not said like that from a lot of reporters. I'm not calling out anybody specifically, but you'll see that across the sports world where – the line between I am giving, I am the conduit from the from the people that are actually in the know, and the, this is my opinion. They, they, a lot of times, there are some reporters out there point, that love to blur that line intentionally. And look, my last point on this whole thing is that there there are two things. One, if you go back and just go go to Wikipedia or something and look through every draft pick that's been made the last ever, more often than not, everybody is wrong. Okay, it's okay. <laughs> That's okay. Okay. How many guys go in the first round that do nothing in the NFL? Okay. And there was and, and there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours and the people making those decisions have way more information than we do. 
you're dealing with human beings. Sometimes it doesn't work out. You so, know what the NFL teams call a great draft? Of, so you have seven picks. You have three starters. One or two maybe roll, tier, roll team special teams players. Two of those guys aren't making the team, and one of those guys is a pro bowler. That is a successful, yeah. beyond successful draft. There's nothing spectacular there. If, no. you, if four of those guys make the team, three of them are starters, that means three of them didn't. Yeah, there, there, there's a lot. There's yeah, a lot of over 50%. And if one of them is a pro bowler, that was a hell of a year. If you hit, you know, you hit it out of the freaking park and you get a couple like the Raiders did this last year. By the way, most people don't have two first-round picks and an early second-round pick like to, to hit on. It, it, it's crazy. It's 50% would be spectacular if you're hitting on your guys of just making the team and being starters. Also, the other point I want to make is that you should be proud when players progress and they prove you wrong and they fix Correct. or they improve elements of their game that they needed to improve. That's what you want, right? That's what you want. They, they, they have these, you're deficient in these areas. If you want to make in the NFL, you need to fix A, B, and C. And if they work on A, B, and C and become a better player because of that, isn't that the whole freaking point? Jamie, that what, is that, what is that point to when that happens? Good coaching. Exactly. So when we went to fire John Harbaugh last year, eight, eight games through the freaking year, <laughs> and we all lost our minds because who the hell are you going to replace him with? Matt Rule, Lincoln Riley, all the same names that are never – and now you look at it, when he made the move, okay, we're going to do this. Nope, Greg Roman, you got better ideas. I like what you're doing with this. You've done it in the past a little bit. I want you to build this for him. That's being a hell of a head coach. And John Harbaugh is a hell of a damn head coach. Like you, This is the same situation we're talking about in some of these other jobs where people were calling for his head last year. A Super Bowl-winning head coach who's now built this and done a hell of a job. Like It points to great coaching, and Greg Roman's done a phenomenal job. I don't think he's getting anywhere near enough credit for the job he's done of building this offense for Lamar Jackson. He also won a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. I feel like that needs to be said, right? Okay, can we just, can we just give him a little credit? Like, I, I, I just... The John Harbaugh stuff last year was, I remember, I would love to go back and listen to our podcast of the three of us collectively losing our gosh darn minds when people were talking about firing John Harbaugh. Like I was, I remember all of us just being like, yeah, okay, go ahead. See what you, see what you find out there, Baltimore. Uh, and we knew that that wasn't ever going to happen. If I won the lottery and won like one of those $2 billion ones a couple years ago that could yeah. buy a franchise, there's a handful of dudes I'm going to talk to. He's one of the five. Like, yep. I, I think that much of them, I think that much of that organization, that's just absurd. Anyway, yeah. let's talk some We got Thanksgiving. It was, we had the it, best it week was. of football ever, Thanksgiving week with college rivalries and these three games. Let's talk about that crap because this yeah. is the, ludicrous. Let's talk football. Uh, I don't think that Jason Garrett is going to get fired. I don't think that Pat Shermer is going to get fired. At least I, I most if likely. Jason Garrett doesn't win the division. I think he's getting fired. Yes, that's the only way. And uh, um, fortunately or unfortunately for Cowboys fans, depending on where you land on on that whole situation, Philadelphia might just be so bad that Dallas doesn't have to do all that much to to win this division. Other so than like Jamie said yesterday, Philly's schedule was really easy down the stretch. Yes, that is true. Uh, okay, so we got the mybookie.ag lines here. We've got three Thanksgiving games to get into. Uh, hopefully all of you will be spending your day much like I am, where I'm going to sit on the couch, eat food, and watch football all day. Let's Hail start off. The year. Yeah, the best way to spend your Thanksgiving. Uh, the Chicago Bears are playing the Detroit Lions. They are on the road for this game. The Bears are a three-point favorite Listen, the quarterback situation in Detroit is kind of all over the map. Jeff Driscoll's had some injury issues that have kept him out of practice this week. Uh, obviously, you guys know about Matt Stafford. So this, 
I'm actually surprised this line is up. I know it went down for a little bit yesterday just after some certain comments. Jamie, I'll let you take this one first. Uh, what do you expect to happen in that matchup? Well, you need to jump on that one quickly because there are sports books all over the place on it because of the, the Detroit quarterback situation, depending on where you go. Uh, three is a great line. So if you go to mybookie.ig and get that, I would go get it uh, because it is four or three and a half or even four and a half in some places because it looks like there's a decent chance that David Blau is starting uh, for the Lions in this game. So you get to open your Thanksgiving with Mitchell Trubisky versus David Blau in the quarterback matchup of the century. Is he a duck caller too? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, so that's another, another quarterback I'd never heard of like a month ago. So I know, right? Uh, so I am like, you know how last week I was kind of like all in on the Cleveland Browns skill position players. This week I'm all in on the Bears skill position players. Uh, I think this is Detroit is really starting to fall back down to kind of where I expect them to be. Injuries have played a big role in that. Obviously Stafford being out and on Johnson being out. Uh, the defense is who was showing a lot of fight earlier in the year has been very beatable the last couple weeks. Uh, it looks like Taylor Gabriel might be out for this game. I think it's more likely than not that he doesn't play. So if you're looking for kind of a sneaky play, I really like Anthony Miller. He's been heating up 20 targets over the last two games, 12 catches. Should have a bigger role here. He's going to be Allen Robinson's going to be covered by Darius Slay. So that's a yes. great point. So uh, and uh, taking out the Redskins game because they don't have a they don't have an NFL quarterback on their team or really an NFL team at all. Uh, the Lions have given up the third most yards and third most fantasy points to slot receivers since Week Eight. Uh, so you wow. can beat them there. I like Anthony Miller in that role. Uh, they should feature David Montgomery pretty heavily here. I know teams have been light, loading up in the box to stop him. I think he's going to have a better game here. The Lions haven't been good against the run. Tree Cohen has a good game. Uh, and in my sneaky starts column that went up on Sports Illustrated the day early today, if you're desperate, I have Mitchell Trubisky as a sneaky start this week. I think he can be around Let's that go, QB Jamie. 15, QB 16 range this week. Uh, I like everything about the Bears in this game. I, I expect them to win and cover. Yeah, the only way you're doing that is you break the wishbone and get the small end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jake, what do you have happening in this one? He hit the nail on the head. I got the Bears 24-20. I, I have them covering maybe more than that. I don't know that the Lions can put up 20 on this Bears defense unless the, the Bears just turn it over. Um, it's funny. If they go back to Montgomery getting those 20-21 catches, I think Tariq Cohen's a big play in this one. Sneaky part of the offense, a lot like he was used last year early. Jamie mentioned it the other day. Uh, and, and Darius Slay gets – and he's like Mike Evans doesn't get the credit to being a superstar receiver. Slay's one of the top three or four corners in the league, year in, year out, has been since he came out of Mississippi State. He's a freak. He's covering Allen Robinson, so that's not going to be a great matchup for Allen Robinson, but that's really all they got on that defense at this point. So I, I, I think everything Jamie said is, is awesome, other than you've got to be really desperate to start Mitchell Trubisky. Although he makes a great point, there's going to be some touchdown throws because if they get in the red zone – they're not exactly big on handing it off from the one and the two yard line. So, yeah, for whatever reason, that makes me infuriated watching that team. Um, good for good for uh, Mitchell Trubisky owners if there are any. And look, it is sacrilegious to pick against the Lions on Thanksgiving. I mean, I remember being a kid and them not being any good and going, "Why do they always win on Thanksgiving?" Like being like a five and six year old kid until I was like thirteen. Like I think they went undefeated for like ten years on Thanksgiving and they weren't any good. So it is and kind I of sacrilegious to do. But this and makes think, this makes no sense with the what, what they're putting on the field right now. Yeah, and I think they've lost the last three Thanksgivings in a row. Uh, I know yeah, they lost. Yeah, I'm, last yeah, year I'm not. I'm not five or thirteen anymore, as we talk, We found out yesterday. I'm getting old with the YouTube. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was, uh, YouTube conversation was absolutely fantastic. So uh, all right, one last stat page I want to throw out. 
before yeah, before we move on to the next game. Uh, and it's about Trubisky. Again, I'm not, if you're in a 12-team league, you're not playing Mitchell Trubisky. But if you're in a 16-team league or 18-team or league, um, you know, here's why he's interesting. Detroit's only held two quarterbacks this year to fewer than 18 fantasy points in a game this season. And that was Phillip Rivers in week two and Dwayne Haskins last week. Uh, wow. If you throw out the Haskins game, over the last six weeks, they've given up an average of 3.2 passing touchdowns per game. Uh, I'm just and Mitchell Trubisky, by the way, had three touchdowns against them three weeks ago. So, uh, and yeah. I, I, one other thing to note with all of these games, all the Thanksgiving games are played in a dome. Keep that in mind because the weather absolutely freaking sucks this weekend across yes, the country. That's there a great a point, Jamie. That's a great point. A lot load, of games. Load up on these. Load up on these Thursday guys, and there's a bunch of fantasy implications in these three games. If you're fifty fifty, just like Jake said, if you're fifty fifty on, on two guys, and you have one of them's playing Thursday and one of them's playing outdoor on Sunday, just keep in mind because there are only a few games over the weekend that don't have some sort of weather concerns. And that's always bad news for quarterbacks. I mean, they're going to be running the football and not throwing the football. And I saw the weather report, especially out east. It is, it is not good. Happy to be in Scottsdale or Arizona. Uh, the Buffalo Bills going on the road to play the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are a six-and-a-half-point favorite here. Yeah, I was a little surprised at that line when I when I pulled it up. Um Listen, the Cowboys have, I believe, it's still, they have yet to beat a team with a winning record. Uh, they are Buffalo the Kirk Bills, Cousins of the NFL. They are the Kirk Cousins of the NFL, and uh, the Buffalo Bills have a winning record. <clears throat> so, Jamie, I'll let you take it first. What are your thoughts on this Bills-Cowboys game? That I am shopping around, finding a Dallas Cowboys minus seven, and taking the Bills. Um, look, this line is wrong. This line is influenced by the fact that there are a crap ton of Dallas Cowboy fans. This is a Thanksgiving game and everybody's going to be watching and they're trying their best to find a way to balance out the number of tickets that are going on each side of things. Uh, I don't believe that Vegas believes the Cowboys are seven points better than the Buffalo Bills in this game. Uh, I believe this is, this is being done. So they get, they need to get enough betters that will bet on the bills so they can kind of limit their potential losses. If the Cowboys do win and cover in this game, um, this line is just wrong. Uh, the bill, I don't know if the Cowboys are going to win, but the Cowboys are not a seven point, better than Buffalo Bills, even at home. Uh, I think this is going to be a really close game. Probably comes down to a field goal. Uh, I would be I would be really concerned if I'm an Amari Cooper owner. He's clearly hurt. He's trying to fight through it, but he is barely more than a decoy at this point. Uh, you get the interesting uh, Cole Beasley revenge game uh, here for Buffalo. He's, <laughs> he's been a decent little play for them. Uh, you know, He's, like, again, a safe floor option as a wide receiver for uh, for you going forward, Josh Allen's, uh, you know, both these guys are in the QB one territory this week. I mean, there, there's really not a lot of information that you need to have other than, I mean, look, you're starting Zeke every week. I mean, you know who you're starting in these lineups. Um, I actually like Gallup as my favorite Cowboys wide receiver in this matchup, especially even if Cooper plays, which he should. Uh, and on the Buffalo side of things, you know, you want to trust Devin Singletary, but he's still going to be splitting carries with Frank Gore. Like it's just, it's still going to be a thing for the rest of the year. So this might not be the best game for fantasy purposes, but to me, this is the best game of the Thanksgiving slate. Play my boy Smoke. John Brown has been awesome all year. It never wavered. He has been spectacular for them. Look, this is not a good matchup. Like I said, this is not who the Cowboys want coming in on Thanksgiving. I said a couple of weeks ago, I read that next-gen stat thing that the Bills were the worst 5-1 and one team in the history of the NFL when you look at who they played, the statistics and all that. But I'm coming around a little bit. 
Josh Allen's making plays with his legs. My boy Smoke is taking off. Singletary, Frank Gore, they can run it. They stop the run. They shut down your number one receiver. All that being said, they're on the road. I don't like this line at all. I'm going to take the Cowboys 27-21 to win it or to cover, however you want to say it. But this is not the matchup they want. They're going to stop the run. Zeke's not having a monster game. And they're going to put it on Dak. And they need to put it on Dak. And if Dak can come through again, who's I like, I'm going to say again, he's still leading the NFL through in passing through week 12 uh, in passing yards. He has been spectacular, but he, it's going to be on them to win. The other reason I, I don't like the Bills offense and Josh Allen and some of the stuff he's done running the ball is you got really fast linebackers that can run with him. So whether Van Der Esch plays or not, Sean Lee's still there. I mean, you got to give Sean Lee a ton of credit for being a Cowboy again when he could have gone other places and, and been a starter. Van Der Esch goes down. They don't miss anything. Because Sean Lee had a lot left in the tank. So you still got Jalen Smith, Sean Lee, and when they're in nickel, and both of those guys can run down a really good quarterback that's been scrambling. So I think they're going to be able to shut some of that down. And I think part of this, too, is I I believe and when Jerry starts lighting fires, man, guys play a little harder. Dak wants that money. Jason wants his job. They want to win the division. All of that says Thanksgiving Day victory to the Cowboys to me. But I think it's going to be a hell of a fun game because the Bills – the Bills got nothing to lose, too. That's another. You never want to play a team that, that they're six and a half. They have a, the Bills have beaten teams with a winning record. They're eight and three. They're going into a team that hasn't, hasn't beaten a team with a winning record all year. And how are they the underdogs by six and a half, by a step, seven points? They got nothing to lose. They're going in here. They're going to be like, throw it all, caution to the wind, do it. That's, that's a bad recipe for the Cowboys. So when I looked at these games, I I thought to myself, I said, there has to be one that's going to be kind of a funky game. And I think it's going to be this one. And I think it's because everything points to the Cowboys doing everything right, which is why I lean the other way, right? Where it seems like all all things are pointing in that direction. That's exactly what should happen. But I kind of feel, I smell a little bit of an upset here. And man, if the Bills can pull this one out, I will be just on social media for the rest of Thanksgiving just to intake all of the Cowboys tears and to wait for Stephen A. Smith's inevitable rant that will happen afterwards that for whatever reason, Stephen A. Smith's anti-Cowboys stuff just makes me laugh. I I don't, you could take everything else out of it, but Stephen A. Smith, when the Cowboys lose, it is the, one of the more hilarious things that happens. Yeah, it really is. Look, I I might have to go. I'm I'm in San Antonio for the holidays and for the the birth of my niece, niece or nephew here in the next couple of days. If this happens, I'm going straight to the mall and buying the Bills Mafia hat and rocking it the rest of my trip in Dallas. (laughs) Just to spark conversation. I don't really care either way, but it's going to be, Spectacular. By the way, you got the number one offense against the number three defense in the NFL. The Bills are are putting the number three defense in the NFL out there. Like I said, they stop the run, they turn, they shut down your number one receiver. You got to find a way. Be- you got to find a way to beat them. So that's what Jamie's pointing at Michael Gallup. I like that a lot. But it's good. it should be a really fun game. Yeah, I'm hoping for a, a really good matchup in the middle of the day. All right, the last one here, the New Orleans Saints going on the road to play the Atlanta Falcons. The Saints are a seven point favorite. Listen, they already had that real stinker at home against Atlanta. They just, man, that was a, a rough game to watch. But Atlanta coming off a loss to Tampa Bay. New Orleans coming off a last-second victory uh, against Carolina in the division. It seems like these divisional teams, they're playing each other every week. Like over the last few weeks, the, the matchups haven't changed. Uh, the, that's how the schedule's been. Jake, this one obviously in the division. Uh, what are your thoughts in here, and do you think New Orleans can go on the road and cover that touchdown spread? I wrote down thirty-one twenty-one for a couple of reasons. I mean, they laid an egg two weeks ago, and like I've, I've mentioned on the show a couple of times, it wasn't anything that the Falcons put on tape really coming out of the bye week. They just played harder and hit them in the mouth. Then they did it to the Panthers, and then they got hit in the mouth last week and got their doors blown off by the Bucks. 
and the Saints gave up a 20-point lead. Problem is, you only got four days to get ready. Julio Jones isn't 100%. Calvin Ridley's not 100%. Matt Ryan coming off his second-worst completion percentage of his career. And the Bucks put a lot on tape that I think the Saints can use. Uh, they also, like I said, just laid a stinker at home, put up nine points, and got the hell beat out of them. All of that makes me think that they're going to cover with that. I, I'll go to what I said two weeks ago. This game always comes down to three points, so I'm very scared that I wrote down they're going to win by 10. I just think they're that much better. I, the Fal- Falcons came out of the bye and had two really good weeks. I think they put what they could on tape. I think the Bucks took advantage of that, and I think you put give Drew Brees and Sean Payton enough of what they put what the Bucks put on tape last week that I think everybody on that offense has a big day, and it scares me with that the Fal- that the Falcons are banged up. Yeah, I mean that's kind of where I am on this as well. Uh, I've I don't think Julio Jones plays in this game. Actually, uh, kind of keep an eye on that. If you obviously if you're Julio Jones owner, or if you're a Russell Gage owner, uh, keep a very close eye to see if Julio Jones plays in this game or not. He's hurt. He's banged up. I don't expect him to play a full game, even if he is out there. Matt Ryan's still bothered by that ankle injury. It's evidenced by them letting him sit out a part of the fourth quarter last week in, in the blowout loss. Uh, to me, I think the Saints have enough firepower in this game. I think they've been. You know, you know, you look at this one of two ways. You can either use the narrative that the last two weeks show that they're not that much better than an average team, or you could say the last two weeks should have scared them straight, and they're going to come out here and they're and they're going to just roll uh, in, in this game against the Falcons in a game that they should get a little bit of revenge because it should not have they should not have lost that football game at home. Uh, I'm going to go with the Saints to cover here. I just think they're a lot healthier. They're clicking on all cylinders now. Uh, and just Atlanta's just even if they get Devonta Freeman back, they're just you're not going to run the ball in the Saints anyway. If you don't have Jones out there, uh, you know basically tra- trading Julio Jones and Marshawn Lattimore off both teams from the last time they played. Uh, I just it doesn't play. And Julio well. didn't go off last time they played. I mean, if Julio plays, I like Calvin Ridley. But if he doesn't, now you're talking about Calvin's the number one option. Russell Gage, I like, but I just don't think they have enough. Uh, to, they were healthy coming out two weeks ago. They felt better than they do right now. They got beat up four or five days ago, and now they got. You know, these tournament guys, go back to what we talk about in Thursday Night Football all the time. It's hard to get ready. And when you had a physical game at home, even though you don't have to travel, I mean, look, the Saints were in a battle too. Like, they went down, they, those guys played on there, got to go on the road. But I just, they, Camaro, I just watched them play in person, by the way. So, like, I, they look healthy to me. And Drew Brees was sacked six times last time they played them. That's not happening again. Like, they're going to fix those issues. And I go back to what I said. I think the Bucks put enough on tape that the Saints are really going to try to take advantage of. I, Mike Thomas, of course, but I think Kamara really starts getting back into this as we get down into December and this last month of the season. They're going to figure out this Latavius Murray uh, Kamara thing. I think you're going to see Kamara with a ton of catches. So if you're in full full point PPR, I think he's going to be a star the next the next month of the season. Yeah, especially because you saw New Orleans really lay an egg very recently against this team. I can't imagine that that's going to happen again. These two teams know each other too well. Uh, these coaching staffs uh, know each other well, and 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 I envision Sean Payton and, and Drew Brees will be if up. If the Falcons weren't as banged up as they are, I'd say they cover the seven because this game's kind of like Pittsburgh-Baltimore. It always comes down to three, no matter who's good, who's bad, whatever. But mm-hmm. I, it, the Falcons are beat up. Like They, they just – they weren't very good. They came out of the bye. They did a hell of a job making some adjustments. They played really physical. And then they got beat, and they got beat up. And now you're talking about four days later. I just I, – I, I think they're going to cover that. So I'll stick with my 10 points. All right, 10 points it is. Uh, we've reached the end of the podcast here, guys. Uh, it's obviously the Thanksgiving edition of this podcast. So I want to ask you guys, uh, instead of parting thoughts, I want to know what your favorite Thanksgiving food item is. So, Jamie, I'll let you go first. 
Mm, my favorite Thanksgiving food. Well, I mean, almost everything. But uh, I'm partial to stuffing. I really like. I don't want okay. it in turkey. I like it as a, just a nice side. We talking uh, stovetop or we talking real? Real. Yeah, okay. homemade. All right. Uh, yeah, homemade stuffing. Now, I, I'm partial to that because it's it's something that I don't have at, at literally any other holiday. Like, I mean, I, I know we like we have the big turkey. Uh, you know, we have all you know the mac and cheese, the green bean casserole, all all the normal stuff that you would you would have, but. Uh, I really like that. It's like the only thing that I look at and say, you know, that reminds me of Thanksgiving because I never have it any other time of year. Uh, I, I would go with the stuffing. Yeah, I'm not a huge Thanksgiving food guy. I, I got, it's all okay, other than I loved honey baked ham because I'll start tomorrow, you know, Thursday and I'll eat it through Sunday and just start, you know, just keep peeling a piece off here and there oh, as you yeah. walk to the kitchen. Yeah, the other one is pecan pie. Mm. Give me a kick-ass pecan pie and maybe a little glass of bourbon on the rocks as the day gets going. Like after you, it's, that's, uh, that's, that's my Thanksgiving right there. All right. Those, uh, now I'm hungry. Uh, I'm with you, Jake. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a huge thanks. I'm, I'm a Christmas greater sign uh, Thanksgiving for food because prime rib is on uh, Christmas yeah. and there's nothing that's better than prime rib. So, um, But I am a huge mashed potatoes fan because it's obviously I can just eat that and be very happy. So I'm, I'm older than you guys, so I watch my carb intake. So I'll say I'll save the mashed potatoes and the carbs for my pecan pie and that extra slice after a few bourbons, and you forget that you're like I shouldn't be eating like another half of this pie at nine o'clock at night. But it's the one yeah. day you can do it, right? It's the one day you can do it. The calories do not count, and I will be eating a lot of mashed potatoes tomorrow. That is for sure. All right, how can everybody follow you guys on social media, Jamie? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. Jake. Jake B Arians on Twitter. And you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye on both Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the show at TDN fantasy underscore on Twitter and at TDN fantasy on Instagram. And we hope that you have a very happy Thanksgiving and thank you guys uh, genuinely for listening to our show and, and interacting with us on social media. We hope you guys have a good one. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.